0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at Now, if you guys would take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be today. Matthew chapter 6, we're, been a, we're in a series called Our King and His Kingdom, and our goal is simple in this series. We want our King to teach us to pray. We want Jesus to teach us to pray, and we need that. We need to be taught to pray. At least I do. At least I do. Now, there's a lot of reasons we need to be taught to pray. Maybe uh, you did not grow up in a Christian home, and uh, you, you've never really experienced anyone praying, and so you, you just have some real basic questions about what it means to pray, Maybe uh, you've never prayed in front of anyone and that's really super intimidating for you. I, I understand that. I mean, I think the, uh, the number one fear people have is speaking in front of others and then you couple that with speaking about God and it becomes something that could be very concerning. But the main reason I believe that we need to be taught to pray, I think Paul Miller captures in his book called A Praying Life. And there's a couple of quotes I want to share with you from that book that I think captures why we need to be taught to pray. The first one says this. It'll be on the screen for you. American culture is probably the hardest place in the world to learn to pray. We're so busy that when we slow down to pray, we find it uncomfortable. We prize accomplishments, production. But prayer is nothing but talking to God. It feels useless as if we're wasting time. That's one of the reasons we need to be taught to pray. Another reason that Paul Miller notes in his book is this. He says, In the broader culture and in our churches, we prize intellect, competency, and wealth. Because we can do life without God, praying seems nice, but unnecessary. Money can do what prayer does, and it's quicker and less time consuming. Then he says this, our trust in ourselves and in our talents makes us structurally independent of God. And as a result, exhortations to pray don't stick. What he's basically getting at is this, we don't pray because we don't think we need to. We don't pray because we don't think we need to. Now, if we're paying attention, life has a way of showing us different, right? Life has a way of showing us, no, you don't got this, okay? Uh, our, our fears show us that. Our doubt, our worry, our anxiety shows us that. Our suffering will show us that if we're paying attention. Uh, all those things will teach us to pray. And then on the positive side, like our, our opportunities will teach us to pray. Our, our goals, our calling, our dreams, if those are big enough, they'll teach us to pray. If we're looking at an opportunity that's large enough for our, to give our lives to, it will teach us to pray. And so if we're paying attention, our hearts should be pretty prone to praying. But the problem, again, is we think we got this. And so the call for us today as we look at our King teaching us to pray, the call is going to be a call to humble ourselves. And if we humble ourselves, Jesus has some really good news for us today. Really good news. And we're going to find it in Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read those scriptures. I'll pray quickly, and then we'll jump into this. Uh, Verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Let's pray to him now. Father, you know what we need before we ask. You know what every heart listening to this needs right now. You know, every single heart hearing these words. And so, Father, we ask that you would give us what we need today that you would give us what we need from your word, that you, Holy Spirit, would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive wonderful things from your word as we study it. Uh, Lord, open open us to what you have to say. Teach us. Teach us how to pray today. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. And we're going to see three things, okay? We're going to see Jesus' warnings. We're going to see Jesus' directions. And then Jesus' promises. Okay, let's start with Warnings. Now, this passage is in the context of warning. In verse one, it says, beware. That's a warning word. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now, again, we said last week, this is not don't give, pray, and fast. The issue is not whether we do those things. The issue is the why. And he says, beware of practicing these things before people in order to be seen. This is a warning. And the reason he gives this warning is because if we do this, we get our reward, and it's not a great one. Uh, Excuse me. We we do not get a reward, he says in verse 1. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. So there's a reward that God wants to give. And if we do these things in front of other people to be seen by them, we do not get the reward that he has. And so Jesus is giving us these warnings about prayer. And then in the passage on prayer, he gives us some more specific ones. Look at verse 5. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. First warning is this. Don't pray to get the attention of others. That's what he's saying in verse five. You've got these hypocrites. Now, we use that word wrongly sometimes. A hypocrite is not someone who knows what they should do and doesn't do it. Okay? That's kind of how we use the word in, in our popular culture. Uh, the Bible word for that is sinner. Okay, someone who knows what they should do and doesn't do it is a sinner. A hypocrite is someone, uh, it's taken from the acting world of this day where a person would wear a mask. They would have a mask they would hold in front of them to portray to the audience, this is the character I'm playing, all the while knowing they're not the character they're portraying to the world. And Jesus says, don't pray like those kinds of people who are trying to show others something that they're really not. And what they're doing with prayer is that they're, they're praying in order to be seen. And Jesus says, don't be like them. Don't pray to get the attention of others. And he tells them, uh, when you're in the synagogues, and that would be when you're gathered with God's people. So when you're in, when you're in a community group or when like somebody, maybe you're asked to pray on stage here, that doesn't mean don't pray. It means don't pray to be seen. Or it says when we're in the street corners. That's when you're out in public. Maybe you're at a party and someone knows that you go to church and they say, hey, would you please pray? It's an occupational hazard for a pastor. Every time I'm at something where somebody thinks they ought to pray, oh, well, you're a pastor. You know how to do this. It's it's a blessing, you know. <laughs> somebody came up to me after the 8 o'clock service. They said, I'm going to ask you to pray every time you're with me for the rest of your life. I said, that'll that'll be great. Awesome. <laughs> And, and our response to this should not be, no, I can't pray because I might be in danger of being a hypocrite. Our response should be to pray not to be seen, but to be heard by God the Father. So the first warning is, don't pray to be seen by others. And Jesus reminds us in verse 5, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. If you're praying to get the attention of others, you've gotten the attention of others Congratulations. Temporary praise from temporary people. You've got it. But you've given up the eternal reward from your Heavenly Father that He's going to speak about in a moment. So Jesus is warning us don't pray to get the attention of others. And then, second, the warning don't pray like you've got to get God's attention either. We're going to see that in verse seven. Look at that with me. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now, there's two things going on in this warning. First, you've got people who are praying empty phrases. They're, they're not really things that are coming from their heart. They're just things they heard somebody else pray. And, and they're just kind of repeating these empty phrases over and over, thinking that if they pray it correctly... God will hear them. That's what it says in verse 7. For they think they will be heard for their many words. So they think they've got to say these things over and over and they've got to say it right. They, The problem is they think that you have to pray correctly rather than praying humbly. And what Jesus is saying is don't be like them. Don't be like people who are just repeating mindless words, trying real hard to pray rightly so that God will hear you. Just pray humbly, Jesus says. So Jesus offers these warnings. Don't pray to get the attention of others. Don't pray like you've got to get the attention of God. Just pray. And so he gives us directions in verse 6. He says, but when you pray, notice Jesus assumes that we will pray. And then he says, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. So Jesus is assuming we're going to pray. He gives us these warnings. Then he gives us some direction on what we are to do. The first direction he gives is to pray in private. Notice he says, when you pray, go into your room. Now that may be a literal room, Or a literal place, maybe you have a place in your house where that's where you meet with the Lord. There's a desk, there's a chair, there's something there, and that's where you go every time. The principle is not that you have to have that place. The principle is that you're in private. Because he says, go into your room, shut the door. Now that could be a literal door. Particularly if you're a mom with young kids, you might need a literal door. You might be, you might need a literal way to help them understand how serious you are. I remember when Cheryl, when our our kids were younger, she would give them something to do and she would say, mommy is meeting with Jesus right now. And if you disturb mommy, mommy will be disturbed. And she had ways of helping them remember not to disturb mommy when mommy was meeting with Jesus, right? They, and she wanted them to understand, like, this is important. And, and like, we weren't like, you know, stringing them up or something. But she, we, we wanted them to understand, like, this is important. Leave mommy alone. She went into the room, shut the door. Now, there may be other ways we need to shut the door, too. Um, I, I, I know there are thousands of prayer apps. I've tried to use those on my phone. The problem is with that is I have other apps on my phone. And so what I need to do is not only shut a literal door, I need to shut the door of my my electronics. I need to shut that off, put it away. Another door I have to shut is I have to shut the door of my mind. And what I mean by that is this. I can watch thousands of hours of Netflix and never think about what I need to do. But you let me sit down to pray and all of a sudden I'm the busiest person in the history of the world. And so I've got to shut that off in my mind. And so I have a sheet, when I'm trying to pray and study God's word, I'll have a sheet of paper with a pen on it. And if something comes to my mind, I write it down, pray over that, and ask, Lord, please help me not think about that anymore. Okay? Now, again, you're just hearing how how difficult it is to be me right now. Okay? But I I have to do that because otherwise I will start thinking about all the lists. And so that's one of the ways I have to shut the door of my busyness so that I can really engage in prayer. The point here is Jesus wants us to pray in private. Go into your room, shut the door. And then he wants us to pray. That's what it says. Go into your room, shut the door, and pray. Now, we make prayer far too complicated. Prayer is simply talking to and listening to God. God. That's all it is. Prayer is simply listening to and talking to God. And so prayer allows us to just pour our heart out to him. We get to talk to God. We get to talk to the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. We get to pour out our hearts to him. This verse from Psalm 62, verse 8 says this Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Now, do you see the connection there between trust and prayer? Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. Prayer is a way that we exhibit trust. When we trust in him, we pray. And so very often when we are not trusting him, we don't pray. And so what Jesus gives us as direction here is to pray in private and then pray, pray. And notice who we pray to in verse six, to your father. Now, I love that it says father there. It doesn't say sovereign, though he is. He sovereignly rules and reigns over all things. It doesn't say to the omnipotent one, though he is, he is all-powerful and there is no power that he does not possess. But it says, Father, pray to your Father. It's a relational word. And and you and I are, um, and God is our Father in a couple of important ways. He's our Father in creation. He, He created us. But more specifically here, he's our father by adoption. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God is your father because God our father loved us so much that he sent God the Son to live, die, and rise again so that we could be forgiven and so that we could be adopted into his family. We are children of God. That is what we are. And when we pray, we talk to our Father. And our Father is sovereign. Our Father is omnipotent. And so when we come to him, we're coming to the one who is in charge and we get to pray to him. And so Jesus warns us, don't pray to be seen. Don't pray to get attention. And then he directs us to pray in a way that is authentic. And then he gives us promises. He gives us three beautiful promises. Precious promises. Look at verse six. The first one is that your father is in the secret place with you. Verse six. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. That's a beautiful promise that God's with you when you pray. That the God who's in charge of the universe, that the God who rules and reigns, that the God who is sovereign and omnipotent over all things is present. He's not on his phone. He's not flipping through the newspaper. He's not wondering about all the things he has to do. He's with you there. That's a promise. Your father who is in secret. Second promise is in verse six. It says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now I said last week that we don't know much about this reward. We don't know exactly what it is, but we do know a lot about God. And if a God like this wants to give us a reward, we want to get it. And we get it when we pray in secret to him, not to be seen by others, because that's, that's the reward we get. We get, a temp- we get temporary praise from temporary people, but when we pursue God in the secret place, the God who sees in secret will reward you, and we want that. The next promise is verse 8. He says, do not be like them. He's talking about the, uh, the hypocrites who want to be seen and who think they have to get God's attention. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's the third promise that should prompt us to pray, that God our father knows what we need before we ask him. He knows what you need. Listen, you and I don't know what we need when we pray. We know what we want. We know what we think we need, but we don't, we're not omniscient. We don't know all things. And so when we pray, we're praying based on what we think we should get, but God knows exactly what we need. It's a promise. Now, sometimes people will ask the question, well, if God already knows what we need, then why do we pray? My response is, if God knows what we need, why not pray? Why would we not pray to him if he knows what we need? So Jesus wants us to pray. He warns us about praying like a hypocrite, praying in an inauthentic way. He gives us some direction about how we must pray. And then he gives us promises to prompt us to pray. And so how do we apply all this? How do we apply this? Just one thing today. Let's pray. Let's pray. Listen, we've been given access to God the Father. Jesus Christ stepped uh, stepped into time. He lived a perfect life of obedience. He died a brutal death on the cross in our place. He rose victorious over sin in the grave so that you and I could pray. We've been given access to God the Father. Now, now, sometimes when we read about God being our father in the Bible, uh, we have different responses to that. Maybe uh, the father that you experienced was absent um, or worse. And so when you hear about God as father, there's an immediate catch in your heart and spirit about him being father. I share, I share a similar story. Like When I think about God as father, my, my history with a father was not all that awesome. And several years ago, I heard this quote by Louis Giglio. He says this, God is not the, refle- God is not the reflection of your earthly dad. He's the perfection of what father is. And so when we, when we come to God as our father, we're coming to a perfect father. And this perfect father rules and reigns. There is no higher authority. There is no greater power. There is no one above him. He is our father, and we get to pray to him. We get to bring our needs, and there are many, right? We get to bring all of our needs to the one who knows every one of them before we ask a word about it. He knows every need you have better than you and I know the needs we have. And we get to bring those to God, our Father, who knows what we need even before we ask. And then we get to be in the presence of this great God. We get to be with him. So let's pray. Why would we not pray? One of the things that was interesting to me thinking about this passage this week is that Jesus assumes the people would. He says, but when you pray, um, he's assuming they would. My assumption about us is the opposite. Uh, And I said us. Okay, this isn't me doing this. This is me doing this. My assumption about us is that we would struggle to pray because we don't feel the need to. Paul Miller speaks to this in his book. He says this, If you are not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. You'll always be a little too tired, a little too busy. And so my concern for us as we sit at Jesus' feet and learn to pray is that we would be quietly confident. Perhaps we view prayer as nice but unnecessary. It's a nice thing to do, but I can pretty much handle what I got. My concern is that we would have what the Bible calls pride. And that rather than come to our Father, who knows what we need, even before we ask, we would say, I don't need anything. I'm good. I got this. And so if we're going to learn to pray, and over the next several weeks, we're going to take a really slow walk through the Lord's Prayer. And if we're going to learn to pray, we've got to learn neediness. We've got to learn weakness. It's interesting, Miller makes the comment that strong Christians, we, we think of strong Christians as people who pray a lot. And he says, that's because they know they're weak. I hate being weak. There's a few things I hate more than being weak. But if we don't understand that we're weak, we won't understand our need. And therefore, we won't pray. So my hope for us over the next several weeks is that we would learn our need. And that we would bring that need to our Father who knows what we need, even before we ask. He sees us coming. Like, yep, know exactly what's coming here. I know what you need. I know what you, you know. And that we would bring that need to Him and trust Him with it while sitting in His presence. So my prayer for us is that we would pray. So... Let's pray now. Father, my, my greatest concern for our church is that we are capable people. We're capable, and so many of us have been really successful in what you've given us to do, and everything we've touched has turned out well. And Lord, it can be really uh, hard to feel needy. And then, Lord, when we, when we come up against something that does kind of make us feel a little bit needy, we, we run from that into our own capabilities and skills and we double down on us being able to handle it on our own instead of really praying and bring our need before you. So, Lord, I ask that you would just gently uh, and yet strongly show us our need. Show us our need of you. Lord, it would be so much better for us to know our need and then know your presence than for us to never experience your presence. So, Lord, would you show us our neediness, show us your grace, show us your might, show us how strong you are, how attentive you are, how good you are. Help us see it. Jesus, thank you for living, dying, and rising again so that we could be given access to God the Father for forgiving us for our sin and making us clean so that we could be in his presence. And so, Lord, I pray that you would make us a people, make us a people who pray. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.